As we go Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, you have 2 Corinthians. As we go Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, is that right? Is that right? Okay. That's right. 1 Corinthians is where we're going to be and starting, and then we'll also be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you want to kind of get both of those handy, that would be great. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today in those two passages. Gym, YMCA, American Family Fitness, the Gold's Gym, what other, Chester Gym, what else, any other gyms? What? SnapFit. SnapFit? Is that what you're saying? Is that a gym? Really? Where's that at? Uh, okay, we don't have to get into discussion. So, I'll check that place out. No. Uh, oh, you got um, what, Anytime Fitness, right? That's another 24-hour place there, okay? Uh, and listen, gym memberships, you pay a monthly fee, and you get the benefits of, of using the gym equipment, you know, the treadmills, uh, cycles, all those different things. You're able to take classes. Anybody take classes at your gym where you're at? Yeah, what class do you take? Water aerobics. Liz? Zumba. Zumba, that's a good workout, isn't it? Yeah. Anybody else? Classes? Now you're like scared to raise your hand. Oh, I'm sorry. I... Okay, and do you do it as well? Awesome, awesome. Fantastic. Good stuff, good stuff, yeah. And so, so you join a gym, you get a gym membership because it makes you feel good about yourself because, you know, you're working on your fitness, getting in shape. Uh, my family, we have a family membership at the Chester YMCA, and by far, my favorite part about the gym is the child one hour. And let me just tell you, I'm in the best shape of my life, okay, if you get my drift there, right? Um, some of you guys will get that later. Um, Anybody here a member of, like, Sam's Club or Costco? Anybody got a membership to those places? Man, the majority of us, yeah. Right, and, and those places are awesome, aren't they? Right, and we get a membership there because we want to buy their products, right? Because, listen, it's necessary to buy a 50-pound bag of chicken, right? It's, I mean, it's necessary to buy chips the size of your buggy, right? I mean, it's just, this is necessary. And, and, and listen, you don't join Sam's or Costco because you believe that it's going to make a difference in your life, right? You, you, you join Sam's or Costco because you can buy gummy bears in five-pound bags the way God intended it, right? And I can eat some gummy bears, man. I love gummy bears. Well, today, listen, today we're kicking off this new series, as you've heard already, and the series is called Community. And the idea behind this series is to talk about membership. Membership. What does it look like to be a part of the community here at Chester Christian Church? What does it look like to, to join together, to belong to, to be involved with and committed to the local church? You know, C.S. Lewis once wrote, uh, he, he kind of took this, uh, this essay, wrote this essay on this idea of membership, and reminding us that the word membership is of Christian origin. But it's been taken over by the world, emptied of, emptied of all its original meaning. Today, most people think of membership, and they think of uh, paying dues. They think of meaningless rituals or secret handshakes. You guys remember those jackets that you, could, you used to buy that had members-only jackets? Anybody, anybody ever have those jackets, right? Anybody still have a jacket, members' jacket, members-only? All right. And so, so here's the thing. When we talk about membership, 
here at Chester Christian Church, we're not talking about a gym membership. We're not talking about Sam's or Costco Club. Membership at Chester Christian Church, listen to me, does not entitle you to a front row parking spot. It doesn't entitle you to get your name on a plaque so you can put it on the back of your chair. That's not the kind of membership we're talking about. But we're talking about joining together for a common purpose because being joined together allows us to do something bigger because we have joined with God. And so my goal for this today, for, for today only, my goal is to show you the biblical understanding of the New Testament, and that is that you joined together and are committed to a local church. My, my hope is to, to show you why membership matters. And then over the next four weeks, we're going to kind of walk through what that looks like here at Chester Christian Church. And so at the end of this series, what we're going to be asking you to do is we're going to give you uh, a simple piece of paper. It looks like this. It's called a membership profile, and it just gets information, and on the back of it, it's got some questions, and you can answer those questions. It wouldn't take you long to fill that out. And we're going to be passing these out at the end of this series and just asking for you to uh, prayerfully consider. All right? we're, not, we're not saying, hey, man, you've got to do this if you go through this series. We're just going to ask you to prayerfully consider uh, filling it out. And if you're new to this idea of membership and, or you have a negative connotation about membership, I would just ask that you hear me out today because hopefully you will see that it is for your good and for the good of the gospel. Uh, on top of that, we are sending everyone home with a little book. And I didn't bring one up here with me, but it's back there on the back, and so you're going to get one at the end of the service. It's a short little book. It's called Why I Am a Member. And it's a great resource. Uh, good friends, Jim and Jeannie Logan, uh, purchased those for us. And we've got plenty. We've got one for each family unit. And if you're not a family today, like you're individual, you can take one. And we're just asking you to take that book, take it home. It's easy to read. You could probably read it in one sitting. Uh, but it's a great resource, a lot of good information uh, about how to understand why membership matters, okay? Now, so, so let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into this, okay? You guys, you guys good? All right. Father God, I thank you so much. Man, I thank you for the time that we've had already just to come together and, and, and to join together and to worship you uh, through music, to be able to lift our voices to you, God, because you are worthy. God, you are good, and you are faithful. And so we just, we just come before you now, God, as we open up your word and as we continue to worship you through your word. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move in this place. God, that you would join with us here as we uh, man, we just strive to make much of Jesus. Now, that's our goal, to exalt Jesus in this place. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's the thing. The biblical foundation of church membership permeates, permeates the New Testament. If you haven't not read, wrote, read, read, <laughs> read, through, the, read through the New Testament, uh, th- this idea of, of membership permeates through it, okay? The idea of experiencing salvation without being belonging to a local church does not exist in the New Testament. Right, if you read through the book of Acts, you see when individuals repented of their sins and they believed in Christ, they were baptized and they were added to the church. And you see that God is the one who added them to the church. You see that in Acts 2.41, uh, 47, Acts 5.14, and Acts 16.5. And here's the thing, while each individual person needs to obey Jesus' call to follow him, we cannot follow Jesus as individuals. We had to do it together. Uh, 
they, they joined together with other Christians in local assembly and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and the breaking of bread. That's Acts 2.42. Outside of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, outside of the Gospels and outside of the book of Acts, the majority of the New Testament was written to churches that the apostle Paul planted in the book of Acts. So, so for instance, the book that we're in, Corinthians, uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth. Uh, Ephesians, another book that we're going to be in today, was written to the church at Ephesus. Philippians was written to the church at Philippi. And in the case of the few books in the New Testament that were written to individuals such as, such as Philemon and, and, and Timothy and Titus, these individuals were actually leaders in their local church. So the New Testament writers assumed that Christians would be joined together, that they would be committed to a local church. So why does membership matter? Why does membership matter? Well, I'm glad you asked. So we're going to start here in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, start in verses 12 through 14. And the first 11 verses, the Apostle Paul has been explaining to them, hey, listen, every single one of you guys has a spiritual gift. If you've come to know Jesus Christ, you've surrendered your life to him, You've got this spiritual gift, and he's laid these out uh, for them. And then he goes into chapter, uh, verse 12 through 14. Uh, read along with me. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So, so the first thing I want you to see, man, is, is Paul is saying that we are the church. Okay, you guys out here are the church. It's, it's not a building. We don't go to church. We are the church. Okay, the, the, the church is not an institution. It's not a building. It is a divine living organism. All right, Jesus himself dwells among his people. He is the life source of the church. And so the ministry of Jesus continues on earth today through the church, through you and me. Paul likens every person in a church as being like parts of the human body, right? You're joined together for a common purpose. So, so you take the human body, right? You're one person, but you've got many parts, right? You've got arms, you've got fingers, you've got legs, you've got toes, you've got eyes, you've got ears. And so he talks about these parts joined together for a common purpose, and through the Holy Spirit, Jesus empowers each person with spiritual gifts. Now, you may be here this morning, this may be all new to you, and you're thinking to yourself, spiritual gift, what is a spiritual gift? And, and do I have a spiritual gift? And you may be here, and you may have been a Christian for a long time, and, and you may not even know what your spiritual gift is. And so, again, man, we've got a resource for you, and uh, this is a spiritual gift survey. It's a great resource, and, and we have these available out at the information desk. I've got several of them printed out. Uh, I would encourage you today, as you leave here, go by and pick up one of these spiritual gift surveys. It's really easy to take. It just asks a series of questions, and at the end, it kind of shows you uh, kind of an idea of what your spiritual gifts may be. And so I would encourage you to take this home and, and complete that and, um, and, and, and see what your spiritual gift is. It's a great, great resource. And see, God knows, God knows what people need. He knows what the future holds and where particular churches are deficient, so he gives us specific gifts needed for the health of the church. And so practically, practically what this means is, is you are gifted by Christ and needed in the church. 
All right, so for me, let me just tell you what my top three spiritual gifts are. Do you guys want to know? All right, all right. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, so my top three spiritual gifts are this, man. This is where I excel. Uh, teaching, preaching, evangelism, and service. All right, man, that's just, that's, 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 that's where I at, man, which makes total sense to me because, listen, I love to study and I love to teach. I love to preach. I love, I love to do that. Evangelism makes sense because I love Jesus and I love people, right? I mean, I am a uh, relational type of guy. Right, I love to be in the crowd. I get energy from being around groups of people. My wife is the total opposite, man. She, her, it drains her. Like if we go out with, with people, we hang out, she's got to have some downtime, man. Me, I'm ready to go back out and hang out some more, you know what I mean? Like I get energy off of that, so I'm a relational type of, of person. And so I love to talk with people, man. If you ever go out with me, man, you can get, ask my wife. I'm talking to everybody. Right, it doesn't matter. And so I just, that's just the kind of person I am. I love to serve. Man, a couple weeks ago when we went to the uh, food bank, Chesapeake Food Bank, I loved that, man. That was, that was awesome. Again, we get to serve along with you guys that were there. and just, It was just a great time to be able to serve with my son that was there. It, it, was, it was good. Now, now, let me tell you what uh, my spiritual gift is not, okay? And I can tell you it's, it's not administrative work, okay? I'm not an administrator. Uh, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. Uh, Mondays, I always kind of uh, carve out as my admin days, my administrative days, where I've got to get some, some things done, and it's always the, the most dreadful day, right? And because I can't stand it. I gotta, you know, just, uh, just don't like those things. Uh, but thank God, okay, thank God that I have people in the office like Judy, uh, like Shirley, like Lynette, uh, like Melody, people like that who, who help me with the administrative stuff. And the point is this, everybody's gift is different. But when they come together, they work beautifully, right? Like, so, so like, I'm a big picture guy, right? I like to, I like to dream big, big things. And so I, I see down the road, and I'm kind of like a visionary type person. I like to see, like, man, I just have this, these great dreams for Chester Christian Church, and I've got great plans, you know, just these, these big dreams, right? Now, my problem is I'm not a details person, right? So I can give you the dream, but don't ask me to give you the steps to get to that dream, Right? And so I, then when I was in youth ministry, man, this used to kill my, my adult sponsors. Maybe, maybe not here. Maybe you guys didn't care so much. But back home in my home church, I would plan these big trips. I'd have these great big ideas. And I had this one youth sponsor, man. Her name was Melody. I loved her to death. She was great. But, but we always kind of like butted heads a little bit because I'd have these big elaborate plans. And I would say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then she would come alongside and she'd say, well, what about this, 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 and this? And I'd say, what about this? This isn't it. Yeah. I mean, you know, details, you know. I don't know why people get all bent out of shape about details, you know. But my, my wife now, my wife is a very detail-oriented person, which is probably a good thing that we're together because if we weren't, I'd be all just lost, right? And so what Paul is saying is, is that every person has a gift, and we are under obligation to use that gift for the purpose of building up the church, man, the body of Christ, right? So I stand here regularly, and, and I preach the gospel to you guys. I meet with people regularly to encourage and to exhort and to share the gospel and share Jesus. I serve regularly. And the point is, man, that God has not saved us to sideline us, but he has saved us for a purpose, right? We join together for purpose. And the best way to use your gift is to join Christians in the church. All right, and then Paul goes a little further down in Corinthians. Look at verses 14 through 18. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many, right? The foot, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. But if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And so what Paul is saying here, man, is that in the economy of God, every gift, every person is important. It takes all parts to be effective. Right, so, so, so imagine our, our, our puzzle pieces up here, right? Uh, in, individually, man, they, they, they just wouldn't, they're just an individual puzzle, right? Uh, but, but when you put the puzzles together, right, they, 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 they form a beautiful picture. And that's the point, man, that, that, that every single part is, is together. We form this, this beautiful community and, and we glorify God in what we do, right? And so it doesn't matter if you're a greeter at the front door it doesn't matter if you serve in children's ministry. It doesn't matter if you single stage. It doesn't matter if you clean toilets. Okay, every single person matters. There are no star players. Jesus is the star. He's the one we're here for, amen? All right, it's all about him. And so we use our gift to make much of Jesus. And listen, and the beauty of the church is this. Like these puzzle pieces, we are uniquely different. All right, each puzzle piece, man, when you put together a puzzle piece, and when you dump out a thousand pieces of puzzle, Right, they're all uniquely different. They're all shaped different. They're all kind of designed different, right? And, but we are created uniquely different, right? Each, each one of us. But because of the gospel, there is unity and diversity. Right? Because of the gospel, there's unity and diversity. This is huge, man. Listen, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 28, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. The gospel breaks down any barriers that separates us. Right? It breaks down all the barriers. The church ought to be the most diverse place on the planet. Do you realize that? But unfortunately, oftentimes, it's the most segregated place. And that's got to change. It's got to change. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're yellow, black, or white. Gender does not matter. Age doesn't matter whether you are a toddler in the nursery or you're a gray hair in here. Right? It, physical limitations, capabilities does not matter because the gospel breaks down those barriers and allows us to come together as one and join together. Amen? Amen. So membership reflects the body of Christ. All right? That's the first thing. Secondly, membership matters because we need it to grow spiritually. We need it to grow spiritually. This is huge, man. Go over to Ephesians with me now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians 4, verse 1. And Paul writes these words. He says, <clears throat> I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I want you to notice the word therefore. Right? It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Right, anytime that you see that word therefore in Scripture, you always need to ask the question, why is that therefore? Right? You just do. You just, that's just good English, right? And so, so Paul, and the reason why that is therefore is because Paul has just spent the first three chapters of Ephesians, 1, 2, and 3, and he's reminding them of who they are in Christ. 
that they have been rescued, that they've been redeemed, that they are, are children of God, that they are loved by God. And Paul is saying that in light of this new identity, right, in light of what God has done for you, you need to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. By the way, anytime that you see the word church in the New Testament, and Jesus uses this word uh, in Matthew, I think it's 16, uh, where he talks about he's going to build his church upon the rock that he is Christ the Lord. Anytime you see that word church, the Greek word is ekklesia, which means the called out ones. The called out ones. And so what that means is, man, that we are the church, we are the called out ones. We have been called out of darkness into light. Right? We, we have been called out. And so Paul is saying, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling because you were lost, you were hopeless, you were, you were out, man. And Paul is saying, now you've been called in. You, have been, you, you are called out. You've been redeemed. You've been rescued. And he says, live out that calling. And why does he say that? Because if you jump down to verse 14, he says, so that we may no longer be children. That's interesting, isn't it? Some translations use the word infants. So that we may no longer be infants. I mean, I, I don't know what you guys think, man, but, but babies, when you have babies... Right? They don't come out with a handbook on how to feed themselves or care for themselves, right? I mean, it would be awesome if they did, but, but they, they don't, right? And so they, they are totally, totally reliant upon their parents. Listen, it's the same with us. Man, we, we, we don't become followers of Jesus and just automatically know it all, right? You don't surrender your life to Jesus and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, okay, I know what to do. I know how to walk with Jesus. I know how to do this and that. And what Paul is saying is, is that we need the ministry of the church. If you back up in verse 11, he says we need apostles. We need prophets. We need evangelists. We need pastors. And we need teachers. And why do we need those people? We need those people so that we can equip and disciple each other. So we can help each other grow in our maturity for Christ. That's what we need. You see, it's only when we are joined together and are committed to the church that we will grow into maturity. You can't do that by yourself. You can't do it. I imagine that most people here at Chester Christian Church that are joined together, that are serving in ministry, that are participating in small groups, would say that those things have definitely helped them grow in their walk with Jesus. Listen, I, I can testify. I can say that. I can tell you, man, that, that when I'm in my small group and, and we're studying the Word together and we're, we're having discussions about the Scripture and we're talking about how it applies to our life and we're talking about real-life circumstances, and listen, that helps me grow. I talk to guys on a weekly basis, on the phone, you know, in person, whatever, and, and when we get together and talk, man, we're talking about the Word of God and how it's, what it's doing in our life and, and our family and our kids and this and that. And so, so the, being with people joined together helps us grow, right? Being in the Word together. And here's the reality, man. This is why we need this. This is why this is huge, because every single one of us, whether you know it or not, has blind spots, right? We all have blind spots, and this is what I mean by that, okay? Let me explain. Before I got married, I thought I was the most selfless person in the world, right? I mean, I was awesome before I got married. And then when I got married, I realized that I was the most selfish person in the world, 
You see what I'm saying? Like, like before I got married, I, I, was, I had a blind spot. I, I just thought I was like, I, I, I could list these things. This is what I do. I'm selfless. I'm, I'm this. I sacrifice. And I get married, and I realize, wait a minute. You know, that was a massive blind spot. And so unless we are joined together, unless we are living in community with each other, and, and you have these relationships with people, man, where they can speak into your life and say, you know what? Man, I think, I think you need some, some, some guidance and direction in this area. You see, you see, you see my point here? You guys tracking with me on this? Okay, do you see the importance of being with each other? We need community. God created us for community. All right? We need it to grow spiritually. Third, man, membership matters because it will help you, help your pastors and elders be more faithful shepherds. This is huge. At Chester Christian Church, man, we follow the biblical pattern for church leadership. Listen, at Chester Christian Church, man, we stand alone on the Word of God. Okay, we're going to preach the Word of God week in and week out. I, every Sunday that I stand up here, I'm going to preach the gospel to you uh, week in and week out. That's what we're going to do. We're standing alone on the Word of God, right? So as a church, we follow the pattern of church leadership that's just laid out in the Bible. And the Bible is clear that, first and foremost, Jesus is the head of the church. It's Colossians 1.18. You can write it down and look it up. All right, so Jesus is the head. And then you have what the Bible calls elders. Sometimes you see overseers and bishops. And if you read through the New Testament, you'll see that as Paul planted these different churches, he talked about appointing elders. It's always plural. It's not elder, it's not one person, but it's elders, plurality, right? And and then uh, the qualification for elders is laid out in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. If you want to write those down, you can go back and look at those later. Uh, But we currently have three elders here uh, at Chester Christian Church, and I'm going to ask these guys, they're all here, so I'm going to ask these guys to stand up so you can see them. Uh, a lot of you have already met them, but Paul Bryant, he's, he's an elder here. Paul, they didn't know I was doing this, by the way, so I might get in trouble later. I don't know. All right, say, everybody say hi, Paul. All right, Noah, Jesse, stand on up, buddy. Everybody say hi, Noah. And then Arthur, I think, is already standing up, but he's back in the sound booth. You guys turn around and say hi, Arthur. All right, Arthur is the mayor of Chester. Everybody knows Arthur, Okay. <laughs> You're like, I didn't know Chester had a mayor. Well, now you do. It's Arthur Smith, all right? And, and listen, and if we summarize what an elder's role is, we might simply say this, okay? If we had to summarize it all, we would say that they shepherd the flock. You think shepherd the flock, what does that even mean? Well, the metaphor, listen, the metaphor that the Bible uses of our relationship with God is oftentimes described as a shepherd to a sheep. Right? God is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. Psalm 23, man, most people know Psalm 23. It's a great verse that people quote, uh, and it starts out by saying what? The Lord is my shepherd. See, Jesus calls himself in the New Testament. Jesus calls himself in the Gospel of John the good shepherd. And why does he call himself the good shepherd? Because Jesus knows his sheep. Right? He knows their name. He has relationship with them. He cares for his sheep. If one goes astray, if one wanders off, Jesus leaves the 99 that are safe and he goes and he hunts down the one. That's what a shepherd does. And so elders act as these under shepherds to Jesus. They care for the sheep, which are the members of the local body of the church. 
And so the idea here is that the shepherd has a relationship with the sheep. They know the sheep. Our elders, listen, I'm going to tell you something, man. You've got some great elders here. And our elders do a great job because they are involved. They are involved in ministry here at Chester Christian Church, man. They believe in what we're doing. They, they believe in the purpose of Chester Christian Church. And I can just list several ministries that each one of them are involved in, man. Paul leads our men's ministry with a couple of other guys, right? Uh, uh, Noah leads, you see him jamming up here on the electric guitar, you know, uh, as well as other things that, that Noah does. Uh, Arthur, man, is serving right now as we speak. He's back there in the sound booth, you know. But all these guys also, listen, they're also a part of a small group here. Uh, Noah leads a small group. They, they, they do community. They, they know the people here at Chester Christian Church. They're involved with people's lives. All right? They don't just show up, right? They, but they lead and they attend and they, and they have a relationship with people just as Jesus had a relationship with his disciples. Right? And so there are dozens and dozens of texts throughout the, throughout the Bible that describe the relationship between those who are in a local context and their leadership. And one of those is Hebrews 13, 17. It should be on the screen for you. And it says this. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. They are shepherding you as those who will give an account. Now, that's, that's huge right there because, listen, what you may not understand is this, is that as elders, man, they are going to have to give an account before God on how they shepherded God's people. That's a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. But the question is this, who are the elders accountable for? Right? Sure, surely the church elders aren't accountable to every Christian everywhere, right? That would be ludicrous. So it seems that biblical shepherding requires some clear way of defining who they are accountable for. And that's why membership matters. That's why membership matters. Because it enables pastors and elders to know that these members, these, the sheep, so to speak, are in fact under their oversight. Now, now listen, that does not mean that as a pastor and elder uh, is indifferent towards a non-member or somebody who's just attending the worship service. That's not what that means. But it does mean that an elder has a type of authority and accountability toward members that he doesn't have towards non-members. And this plays out in several different ways, man. It could be simply uh, sending someone a phone call or a text. I, I couldn't tell you how many times uh, our elders probably call or text somebody uh, in the church. I couldn't tell you how many times I call or text people. through. It says, it's just shepherding. You're checking on people. Hey, how are you doing? Haven't seen you in a couple weeks. Just checking on you, making sure everything's cool. Right? It plays out in hospital. I and mean, sometimes we go to the hospital and we pray over people. There have been numerous times where people have actually called us and said, hey, would you... Uh, meet us at a church, and would you pray over us? We're just going through a difficult time right now. Our family's struggling. You know, I've got this, this issue going on. Would you pray over us? Man, and there's been numerous times when we have prayed uh, over people. James, I don't know the exact uh, chapter and verse. Uh, what James, is it five? It says, call for the elders. And um, if somebody is sick among your, your church, call for the elders, and they will come and pray over you. And we've done that numerous times. We've gone to the hospital together as a group. We've prayed over people. Okay, and so, so that's kind of what uh, shepherding looks like. Okay, that's how that plays out. Um, but we also need to notice that the first part of that verse in Hebrews says obey and submit. Now, that's the hard part. Right, that's the hard part. As a church member, we obey and submit to the authority of the church leaders. 
And this is the best way I can explain it to you. This is how I explain it to my five-year-old son, Jude, okay? Uh, we always tell Jude, dude, no matter how old you get in life, you are always going to be, uh, you're always going to have somebody in charge of you, and that person is God. doesn't matter if you become the CEO of a big company and you're the, the big man in charge, you will always, God will always be in charge of you. All right, so God is the ultimate authority, amen? You guys agree with that? So, so, but then we tell Jude, but God has, has blessed us with him as our son. And, and, and God has placed us in charge of Jude. And so Jude also, until he turns 18, is under our authority. Right? And so, so that's kind of the idea here is that, that God is in charge. Jesus is the head of the church. But under, under Jesus, man, you have the elders of the local church that, that they have put in charge there. They've put in place. And, and we are to obey and submit. Right? And one of the ways that accountability and authority may present itself is when members rebel against God. Now, now, now hear me out here, okay? We're not talking about your everyday struggle with sin here. Okay, I mean, listen, we all struggle with sin. We all fall short every single day. Uh, the Bible is clear about that. But we're talking about sin that could, could potentially wreck your life and lead you astray. And because the elders are held accountable and because... They have a relationship with the members. Listen, their goal is to humbly and gently confront that sin in hopes of restoring that person. And listen, that's a difficult thing to do. How many of you here, raise your hand if you just absolutely love conflict. That's what I thought. You know, that's a difficult thing to do, man. As an elder, man, you are the spiritual leader of, of the church and you're held accountable for this. And so if you see somebody, man, that's just going absolutely crazy. Like you see somebody that's just losing their mind, man. They're just, they're just going off the deep end. And they're, they're about to wreck their life. And they're going astray, man. It, it's our job. It's, it's the job of the elder to step in to gently and humbly confront that person, confront that sin. Uh, it's called church discipline. Jesus lays out specific steps for the church to take. In matters of church discipline, you can write this down. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15, Jesus says, hey, this is how you handle this. Paul's letters are full of examples when church discipline was necessary. Right, one example was in 1 Corinthians 5. I mean, the church at Corinth had a situation where a man was sleeping with his father, with his, with his father's wife. I need to finish that sentence, right? That would be crazy, but, uh, but so, so the man, <laughs> that was funny, what, but the man, the man, so hear, hear me out here, the man was sleeping with his father's wife. Father's wife, I mean, how crazy is that, right? I mean, that's Jerry Springer style right there, right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's crazy. And Paul's like, you guys need to address that brother, and you need to restore him. You need to re hope he repents so he's and restore him. And I'll just be straight with you, man. Church discipline is not a popular subject to preach and teach on. But it's the most loving act that you can do. Listen, it's, it's not kindness, mercy, and grace to let my son play in the street. But it's, it's kindness, grace, and mercy to, to discipline him. Grab him and, and, and say, hey, man, look into his eyes and reinforce to him, hey, it is not safe to play in the street, Right? Like, this happened just this past week, right? I'm, I'm, I'm out on the front porch. Jude and Shepard are playing out in the, in the, in the, the yard, the driveway there, and somehow they got a, a hold of one of my golf balls. I don't know what happened there. But, but the golf ball rolls down the driveway, and I can see Shepard chasing after it, right? 
And I just I see what's happening. He's going to run out in the street. And so, well, so what do I do? Do I just say, uh, yeah, he'll be all right. Good luck. Hope you're safe. No, no, what do I do? I jump up, and I start yelling. I'm like, Shepherd, no, no. And Jude even gets on the action, right? Jude is five. He knows. He's like, no, Shepherd, no. And so, so he, he starts to run. And so I grab him, man, right? So, so that's a loving thing to do, right? right that, that's called love and truth, right? Love and truth. And that's what we're called to do, man, is we are to, to, to share love and truth. And when we do this, listen, we are modeling the gospel here at Chester Christian Church. Because the gospel is the perfect balance of love and truth. Right? Because, listen to me, the gospel tells us the hard truth that we are all sinners. But it's also the greatest demonstration of love because Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for your sins. I mean, think about this. When Jesus went to the cross, right, it was the most insulting thing that anyone has ever said to you. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he was saying that you are so lost, that you are so messed up, that you are so condemned, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God could save you. And that's hard. You are, amen. Which leads me to the last thing. Membership matters because we are joined together on mission. This is huge, man. Listen to me. We have a purpose here at Chester Christian Church, and it comes straight from the, from the, from the Word of God. And our purpose, I try to communicate with you on a regular basis, our purpose is to make much of Jesus. Make much of Jesus. And the way that we do that is we reach people with the gospel, we disciple people in the gospel, and we equip people to share the gospel. And so our goal, man, is, is, is for us to join together and to make much of Jesus together. And that means making much of Jesus in our marriage, in our family, at work, out in the community. Right? We make much of Jesus. We exalt Jesus wherever we go. We absolutely exalt Jesus in this place. But we exalt Jesus everywhere we go, man, right? And, and so we reach people, man. We relentlessly desire to pursue people who are far away from God. Listen, man, I've shared with you guys many times, man, I would love to absolutely wear out that baptistry. I want to see so many people come to Jesus, it's not funny. All right? And so we, 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 we pursue people, man. We, we pray for people. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do, man. Pray for one. Reach one. You've all got somebody, a family member, a neighbor. Pray for one. Reach one. And then we disciple people, man. We, we come together and we, we worship together in this setting. And then we get together in small groups. Or we attend a Bible study. Or we do things. We meet outside of this. And we disciple each other in the Word of God. You're in the Word of God. And so we are growing, and then we're equipping people to share the gospel, which means we're serving, man, and we're equipping, and, and we're multiplying ourselves, right? We're, listen, this is not a one-man show, okay? I, I, this is not a one, you know, you know, we stand up here on stage, and I preach. Listen, I'm not the only person that could preach to you. I welcome other, other people to come and preach. I want to share this stage with other people because there are other gifted people who can preach the Word to you. And that's how you equip people. That's how you share, share, share the word. It's a team effort. You know, Charlie, Charlie uh, develops a worship people so that other people can lead worship, right? Lynette recruits volunteers so that she's not the only one back there teaching, right? And so the idea is you equip and you multiply and you, you, you do these things, right? And, and you're making much of Jesus while doing all of that. And so we, we are joined together in unity. We are joined with God. And we can just do so much, so much with him. Amen? Let's pray.
Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for our time together. And uh, God, I just pray now that as we, uh, man, just go into a time of response, that your spirit would just continue to move. God, if there are people here that need prayer, man, if they're just going through a difficult time in their life, Father, I pray that you would just uh, move in them, God, and that they would just come forward and that they would receive the, the prayer they need and the encouragement they need. Father, if there's somebody here that just doesn't know Jesus, if they don't have a relationship with you, I pray, God, that they would come forward and we could chat about that and what that means. So, Father, I just I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, so each week, man, here at Chester, we, we have the prayer team. Prayer team, come on up if you're here. Uh, we're over here by the cross. I'll be over here on this side. And if you just need prayer, if you need somebody to just encourage you, Man, we're here for you. We want to pray with you, okay? If you're struggling and going through a difficult time, please, please come up and get some prayer, okay? Uh, so, so come on, stand up with us and sing this song together and uh, come, come and receive prayer. stood before creation, eternity in your hand. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. You stood before my failure. And carried the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulder. My soul 